Welcome back to the Project 24 Blogging Podcast. This is episode 199. Hello, everyone. Wow, are we going to have a party or what for 200? <laughs> hey, anytime we can have cake. I'm yeah, in. I feel like it calls for something to celebrate. Awesome. Okay, well, today we are going to talk about... Um, pretty big change we're having here at Income School. Nothing crazy, don't worry, but here for the team anyway. We are in the process of moving offices and in the next, uh, well, by the time you hear this, it'll be in the next week. Uh, So we're really excited about that, but we are obviously very, very busy. And this can apply to you in a way that maybe you are trying to take a break from your project. Maybe you're going to go on a vacation or you need to for personal reasons or your seasonal, kind of just how to prepare for some sort of break like that. Now we will all be working from home um, after we do leave our office. There's a little bit of a gap actually. How about you talk about that a little bit? That's fine. Yeah. So um, the office we're moving to, I've been actually working on this for like a year. Yeah. Um, it's been a long time <laughs> in the making. And that's because the the office I found, the location for me is fantastic. It's like a half a mile from my house. But the layout and stuff is going to be, I think, a better workflow for for us, for our team. But it was a empty shell mm-hmm. space. So it's in an office building, but the inside was not built out at all. Mm-hmm. It was just like studded walls around the outside. So I got to go through the entire process of designing that, setting up the layout how we wanted, architecture, uh, city reviews, uh, getting permits and all that fun stuff, and then finally building. And just like any project like that, there were, um, there were some delays. So yeah. basically I had to sort of guess when I thought it'd be ready. And I was off by probably a month to a month and a half. So we're going to be out of our office here and we're going to have a month, month and a half yeah. where we're going to be working from home. So, so like Anna was saying, it's like, we have to, we're not going to take a break from our work, but there's a lot of stuff that we do that, you know, our workflow has been, has depended on our setups here, especially our, our filming for YouTube, you know, channel makers, Nate's got a setup, he's got an office, it's at home, he's got little kids mm-hmm. <laughs> and he doesn't have a dedicated space. Um, so how does that work? You know, um, our masterminds are even our podcast recording, all these things. It's, uh, it's a little trickier when we're all remote. So we've been working on content in some cases, as much as we can pre-recording, pre-producing some content so that we can take a break on a YouTube channel without it being visible to our audience. But there's also, yeah, there's just been a lot of things that we've been preparing for so right so that you know when as our when our workflow changes suddenly it's not really noticeable right yeah and it will be a little bit of an adjustment because there was one time since i've been here that we all worked from home and as you can probably guess it was during the beginning of covid and uh we didn't have a lot of time actually we had no time to prepare it was just one day go home yeah it was like (laughs) a a mandate go home (laughs) and goodbye um so that was a little bit of a different situation but there also is kind of the social aspect and the team aspect of it 
we're very team oriented and we do collaborate a lot every week. And so that'll be a little bit of an adjustment as well. So we'll have to figure that out because it does change the dynamic of the team. I think so. A lot. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really excited for the, you know, this is kind of a change that is a little bit unique to our situation. A lot of you listening probably just work from home on your couch or maybe you have a home office or something and that's great. You know, that is one kind of really cool thing about blogging is you can really do that side of things from pretty much wherever, you know, I primarily am on the blogging side of the business. I do help out on the YouTube channel, but um, as far as the blogging stuff goes, yeah, mostly I can do that from home pretty easily. Um, And so that's kind of one of the, one of the values of blogging, you know, if you want to take a trip for a month, well, who cares? You, as long as you have a laptop and an internet connection, you're probably good to go. But, you know, kind of like Ricky and Anna said, a workflow can change and um, you can definitely apply that to your situation. It could be a new job. It could be an addition to your family, you know, like any, anything that happens in your life could potentially change your workflow. And so anyway, it's been kind of eye opening to us as we've uh, been trying to adjust our workflow really for just a couple weeks. We've been putting a lot of work into just this few weeks where we're kind of in between offices, but um, there's been a lot of planning and preparation that has gone into it. Um, Anyway, it's been really interesting to see. I even think long-term there's probably some things that we may keep doing uh, planning wise uh, to make our processes better. You know, we've been doing a little bit of co- more, a little bit more content batching, um, not to a super extreme, but yeah. probably uh, enough of a lead where it'd probably be healthy to have that sort of lead all the time. Um, so I imagine we'll probably shoot for that. And that's something that uh, is more applicable to YouTube, but even on the blogging side, you know, if you're the only one publishing content on your website and you shoot for one or two articles a week, you're on a content treadmill Um, You know, you may be the only one holding yourself to that, but that's still something that you probably have uh, that you want to do. But if you could write an extra article or an extra two articles a week, then you could take a week off. You know, there's there's it's definitely applicable. So anyway, been kind of fun. I'm excited to see our new space. And um, like Anna said, we're not really taking a break here, but um, it's good. We just want to let you guys know what's going on. You know, there's a lot of not just um, YouTube projects going on, not just website projects going on. Uh, with the Creator Studio or Content Warrior, not to mention the podcasts and, you know, everything else there. Um, but there's also a lot of kind of, I don't know if you'd call it admin stuff, um, mm-hmm. but moving an office. And I know that every day for the last little while in Ricky's day, it involves, oh, what's, what can I take out of the office today <laughs> yeah. that nobody's going to notice? And my office is cleared out. Now we finally took the curtains down and it is quite echoey. Um, <laughs> anyone who was in my last mastermind probably heard a little bit of an echo in there. So anyway, it, it, it'll be fun. Yeah, absolutely. And we do have a couple of newer projects going on, uh, a couple websites. And so what do you think about that? How... Will this little, I guess it's not a break, but working from home, will it affect those projects at all? I think for me on my, on the project double time, I think it's actually going to help. I've gotten behind on that project already. And I think a big part of that's been dealing with a build out on a new office. Yeah. I, there's, I'm like every single day, basically I'm talking with contractors and stuff. I'm getting this office that we're already in ready to hand back over to the landlord. Um, there's basically like I leave one day and the next day there's a new tenant and they're like, do you think that we can have it ready <laughs> for a new tenant? And I'm like, I'll have it ready for you. Don't worry. Like it'll be clean. 
Holes that I put in the wall will not be there anymore. And there are a lot of holes. There are. I'm <laughs> shocked. a lot of stuff on the wall. <laughs> I did not, you know, you, you patch up a couple holes, but I am shocked looking around and there's it, little white, there's stuff white everywhere. spots over <laughs> everywhere that we had to patch up. It's, it's crazy. Lots of holes. Um, yeah. When you put a lot of decor on the walls in part for sound. Right. Um, but also for, you know, our videos just so that uh, we wanted like, no matter where you point the camera, we wanted it to look good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> there's a lot of holes in the walls. Um, when working on that and, and all of that stuff, plus trying to get ahead on video content has made it really hard for me to put enough time into content for the, for yeah. the site. So now that I'm ahead on video content, I'm thinking about, okay, well, when I'm at home, working from home and I'm not needing to film so many videos... And frankly, like, you know, Anna said, there's there's a really nice social aspect of working with a team, but there's also like, there's also always like some, like, oh, they're right over there. Let me just go ask them about this. And and in that sort of an environment, it's also easy to get kind of distracted regularly, yeah. especially like <laughs> when, you're, when you have ADHD and you're just like, yeah. Any little distraction and you're just like, oh, yeah, I want to go do that. <laughs> I've, I've got like 12 tabs open on my computer and I'm working on like bouncing between those things. That's incredibly inefficient. I'm trying to get better about that, too. We're just working on so many things at a time right now that we're needing to standardize more. So anyway, um, I see I'm already like bouncing between things even in this discussion. <laughs> um, back to the question. Yes, I think it'll make a difference. I think it's going to allow me to take a little more time to just focus in on creating that content that I need to create for um, that website. For train treaders, we can really take some time to get our search analysis going and get some content yeah. made there too. Maybe even get outside and do some off-roading right. <laughs> and film some of that too. I think that'd just be a lot of fun and um, it'll be good for us. But also I think another improvement or change that we're making has just been trying to standardize more things. Something that we end up talking about with a lot of our full-time earners is usually scaling yeah and it feels like it feels like we're like not doing that much more than we were doing two years ago but it feels like we're way busier Mm -hmm. i don't quite know why maybe we are actually doing a lot more and so that's been a a big focus is standardizing the video creation content or processes julia's been working really hard with with nate with me and then with the whole team to help sort of standardize how we plan and ideate for videos Nathan's been working hard on trying to standardize more of our uh, processes for our writing for our writers. And so that standardization, I think is going to help a lot, Mm -hmm. but, uh, but that also takes time. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That's that's a trial and error process. (laughs) You know, there's multiple iterations of finding a process that actually works. I know on the video side of things, one that we've been kind of involved in is just the planning process, the kind of the overarching planning process for videos. And we come up with a great idea and then we try it a couple times and then it just seems to, there seems to be some sticking points. Yeah. Um, and so then we have to kind of readjust and try it again. And that goes for probably any process you put in place. So it not only is it good to standardize, but you also have to budget the time for the standardization process and just realize that that's not usually something that just happens all at once. And I think that's a big frustration, like Ricky said, with a lot of our full-time members and even those who are just kind of doing very fairly well, you know, probably anytime after you you start, maybe you hire a a little, a contractor or a writer or anytime you go just beyond yourself, these, this starts happening. And if you don't 
really get a hold of it early, you end up needing to standardize a ton of things. And then it's always a battle of, well, do I standardize it or do I just do it the way I've been doing it and, you know, kind of barely keep my head above water. So that's something that I think we always talk about doing and there's always a need to do more yeah. because we're always working on new projects and trying to apply these principles just to the different things we're working on. So I know one that is really applicable to a project that I'm working on is uh, working with one of our managers over the writers. Um, we're hoping to bring him on to some more, I say income school focused projects, but kind of just more internal projects, uh, whether that is focusing on YouTube stuff or just more on our portfolio of websites. Um, and so that means taking him a little bit out of the creator studio process, um, but still making sure that everything he's doing is covered. Yeah. Uh, we need to make sure that all of his tasks that he has been doing, that somebody does them and not just anybody, <laughs> but someone who's competent and able to fulfill those tasks. So um, that has been something that I've been focusing on trying to figure out um, what the best way is to do that so that we can maximize his time um, to get more projects or more work done on our projects here, but also uh, maintain what's going on and kind of passing around tasks and that sort of thing. So it's always, it's always a process. And I think whether you're there or not uh, in your business, um, it's something you will probably run into if you plan to do this on a long-term basis. Um, and it's good practice, you know, even trying to standardize some of the things you do yourself um, is, is really valuable. I think um, one thing you said there really absolutely deserves to be um, kind of hammered in. And that is that standardization is going to be an iterative process. You're not going to get it right or optimized the first time. Also, things, even if it seems optimal, then something will change. You'll get a different virtual assistant or you'll um, start having them work more and taking on more responsibilities. And suddenly the whole thing changes. And so um, one thing I would say is like, don't worry about making it perfect because you can put a lot of hours, you know, like Nathan said, you have, it's like a major time investment. You have to put this investment in of, of time to standardize things, meaning you got to spend less time on the right. actual output. You have to take the time to standardize it so that you can have even more output later. So don't waste a lot of that time trying to make it perfect because it just won't be. We recently created this whole process for how we were going to, you know, have even better ideas for videos on all of our channels. And then we found that we spent three hours with like our whole team together between a couple of different meetings. And out of that came like two finished ideas. And that ended up being like way, way, way too many work hours <laughs> yeah. just to end up with like two video ideas that weren't even ready to film. That was just like ideas that were good ideas. And we realized that's not going to work. We can't, that's not sustainable. So then what that meant was we, we evaluated that process and said, well, here are parts of that process that could be done individually by different people. And really we only need the group for this section of it. And also we need to not use this ideation time to fully flesh out the video. We need to say, does this one seem like a good idea? Yes. Cool. Now someone's going to take that idea and take it to the, the point where it's about filmable. And then we'll look at it again and say, is it still a really good idea and not waste, you know, six people's time sitting in a meeting <laughs> while where like one person could have done that. Right. Work. And we can dramatically cut down on the hours spent doing a lot of this work. 
um, just by tweaking that process. And so small changes will probably reduce mm-hmm. our time per video by potentially like 10 hours mm-hmm. or more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, that's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. A blogging focused example of this. Um, in the past we've done uh, not super often, but kind of a uh, group, uh, group search analysis where yeah. we'll kind of get together and we'll kind of, you know, work through ideas and work through some planning and um, idea generation and, you know, all the different steps of search analysis. Uh, we haven't really done that lately, but a meeting that I've had a couple times with Ricky now and that we have in the books coming up um, is where I'll do a batch of search analysis or Ricky will have done a batch of search analysis and we'll meet together for probably 30 minutes. I think that was about how long our last one was about 30 minutes where we just like say, what do you think? Yeah. And just get a really quick thought. And rather than spending three or four hours in a long drawn out search analysis meeting where energy ends up really low and we don't end up accomplishing that much, um, you know, either I can take a second look at Ricky's search analysis or I, he can take a look at mine and we can say, hey, I really like this idea, you know, do a little bit of validation on the competition and the search volume. And so, yeah, I think this looks like we're on the right track here or I wouldn't really go with this subcategory yet. Maybe we should stick with these ones. And that just kind of double check meeting has been really helpful for me. Yeah. And I think that it's a lot more valuable. So anyway, that's just another kind of a a good example that I've seen lately kind of more focused on the blogging side of things. Awesome. Yeah. Great discussion. And hopefully this applies to you a bit. Uh, We're going to be for kind of for the first time. Well, since Jim and Ricky started working from home and with that brings some other little distractions, you know, but (laughs) we'll do our best. Uh, All right, let's move on to some questions. The first one is from David Boise. Hi, David. We're in Boise as well, old (laughs) Boise area. Um, And they say, I would like to know what is the main indicator to know that Google has deemed me an authority. I'm at 30 posts on three subcategories, and I would like to expand into other subtopics, but I want to ensure I have gained my authority first. What is the metric? 1,000 page views? I wouldn't say that there's like a main metric, and that's this is the tricky thing with... EEAT with, you know, authority or topical authority or whatever that is. In terms of if you've built enough topical authority, which it sounds like that's what we're talking about here, do I have enough authority in these three subcategories to move on to another one? So again, this depends on what your subcategories are and how broad they are. So, you know, if I had an outdoors website and one of my subcategories was hiking, there's no way that 10 articles makes me an authority on hiking. It's just way too broad. So without more specifics, it's hard to say. So I would say kind of the main metric to look at in terms of topical authority is do I have enough content to thoroughly answer at least kind of a a grouping of questions, right? And so, you know, if we take that same example and we we say, okay, well, within hiking, maybe we're just going to talk about like, short day hikes, um, and we're going to talk about appropriate footwear and maybe just like other just helpful stuff. Like we're not going to go all into gear, but like, you know, trekking poles um, and then um, just other topics like things to know to be able to have a safe day hike. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, in that case, then 10 articles, that's that's a pretty solid start. Like I could probably cover a lot of stuff in 10 blog posts 
to help somebody feel confident that they know what they need to know to go on a day hike if they've never done it before. So, you know, it just kind of depends, like, how thoroughly have I covered that sort of subtopic? Mm -hmm. So if one of the categories on your website is hiking and you've got 10 articles that just cover 10 totally different things about hiking, then you haven't built any topical authority. But if you have 10 things that are very closely related and generally cover that whole area, then you've built some topical authority. Now, whether or not Google yet recognizes that authority, that's another question. And I wouldn't wait for wait and see. And that's where like the traffic or waiting to see your current rankings, that that's not really going to help. We just you just have to use your own, you know, intelligence, your own gut feeling to recognize whether or not you've covered that small subtopic uh, with enough, you know, just thoroughly enough. Mm -hmm. Yeah. To to have some authority. Yeah. Yeah. So it sounds like from what you're saying, and I would definitely agree with this is the better metric here would be based on your input rather than the outcome. The outcome should come based on your input, but, and I get that it is a little bit harder to say, well, I'm doing my best, but I don't really know. I'm, you know, I'm inputting the best that I can. But like Ricky said, if you have a small kind of cluster of articles, they're interlinkable, you know, and you cover it solidly, like as a beginner you or even as an experienced person, you think, you know what, I don't really have any major additional questions in this subcategory. You've probably done a good job. Yeah. The other element to that is how, like, what's the quality of your articles? Are you adding a bunch? Are you adding original images? Are you doing... Um, all, you know, there's so many different elements that we talk about all the time for building EEAT. And I think that the quality of your articles also make a big difference. So taking the extra time to make sure that you go and add the original images, maybe embedding some YouTube videos, um, you know, making your blog post visually appealing and making it easy to read, like all of those things, while it's not strictly topical authority, it's also, it's building authority by creating a a useful helpful original piece of content and so that also plays into it so if you you know pumped out 10 articles in six hours and it's like yeah they still need a lot of work it's like well maybe you go back and you you know really beef those up a little bit but overall like ricky said really focus on the input and don't wait for google don't don't wait for some indication from google just keep writing and do a really good job um and then uh, like he said use your gut feeling and if that one's funny People don't like to hear right to use your gut because it feels very unsure. Um, you don't have to be perfect to do a good job. You don't have to understand it all perfectly to do a good job. But as a reader or someone who's interested in your topic, you should be able to recognize what a good, helpful article is versus an article that's not good or helpful. And if you can do that, that's a great place to start. And, you know, if you want a little bit more clear guidance from Google, on whether or not you've covered the topic thoroughly, go take the primary search queries that you wrote these articles for. Type them into Google. See what Google says the people also ask. Ignore any of them that are not really that related. That, you know, just... You're going to see in the people also ask some questions that come up and you're just like, this isn't even on the same topic. Yeah. Google's just confused because there's similar wording. But yeah, I mean... Have you generally covered the majority of those questions? That doesn't mean write an article for every other people also ask this out there, but like take those search queries that you wrote your articles for and did you cover the the top level people also ask questions within all of your articles? For the most part, if you have, then you've covered that topic pretty thoroughly. 
if you notice in that process, there are some really glaring omissions. There's some pretty good questions that seem like they'd be a pretty commonly asked question. Then maybe that merits another article or maybe it merits a subsection within one of the articles you've already written. Make sure you cover it and then you've, you've covered it. And then go ahead. It's not going to hurt you at all to add a fourth subcategory and start writing more content. Uh, we just don't want to spread out super fast and super broad. We want to s just start with these smaller groupings and build out from there. So if you have 10 on each of three, usually that's, that's a pretty good mm -hmm. place to be to then go maybe start a fourth one. But then I, before I start a fifth, I might add a couple more to the others if they're not thoroughly covered. Yes, and that's what I find is that the deeper I dive in, the more yeah. that I find. And and you can definitely, f I end up finding more without cannibalizing any of the other topics. It's just like, oh yeah, I didn't even think about that. Yep. I think that would be a great article. And so that's kind of why we can say you don't have to start with a ton of categories is the more you get into it, it's, you know, the more you're writing and doing your research, it's like, oh yeah, there are three or four or five more articles that I could add here and then do all the interlinking. And then by doing that, again, just more potential or opportunity for topical authority. Awesome. Okay. Uh, next question is path to Alaska. And they say, happy to be here and part of income school. Well, we're glad you're here too. Yeah. I had a question maybe someone can help with. I'm a roofer currently as my nine to five. My wife suggested that maybe there is something here to help generate leads for roof replacements. Did I overlook it in the categories? Thanks in advance. Yeah. I mean, totally. There's uh, the exact process that we use is highly relevant for local searches. Um, what we need to think about is what are the people in my area going to search? And then I craft content that should rank for that. Mm -hmm. um, if you're, if you are, you know, trying to get local leads for this, then it's even more important that you have a local address on your website, a local phone number um, and contact information. So all of the, uh, all of that stuff that we that I talked about in a couple of recent YouTube videos, that interview with Kyle Roof, um, and then um, the follow-up video that I made that actually showed how to do that stuff. I would absolutely, on every single page on your site, go ahead and just put it in the footer even, have the address and phone number where people can contact you. You're a local business. You want contact, right? Um, have that. Have that there. That's going to help um, Google to recognize that you're a local business. Make sure that you have a listing on, on Google My Business so that you show up in maps. Um, but then it just comes down to creating content that's geared toward your local area. So if I were a roofer here in Idaho in the Boise area, I would definitely write articles about how much does a roof replacement cost in Boise, Idaho? Um, how long do most roofs last in Boise, Idaho? You might ask like, well, what, what does Boise have to do with how long a roof lasts? Well, the climate here is different than it is in Dallas, Texas. And it's very different from how it is in Florida or in New England. And so how long a roof lasts, it, it is a little bit different. You might say, you know, typically most roofs that, that are installed today, the, the shingles are made for 30 plus years. But most houses today were roofed not this, not today. Right. And so a lot of them have 20-year shingles. And we do see a lot of wear in the Boise area. Um, we see within 20 to 25 years, a lot of roofs that definitely need some work. So, um, you know, here's how long I see them lasting and here's why, and just break it down. Like 
And then maybe even go into like, here's how to know, you know, just by kind of inspecting it that you might want someone to come actually look at your roof. If you see these major uh, kind of warning signs, you know that your, your roof is getting worn out. And so a lot of that information isn't going to be specific to Boise, but there's going to be enough in there that is so that when a person in Boise just searches something like, how much does it cost to replace my roof? And Google sees they're in Boise and roof replacement is location specific. You can win that search, even though other people all over the country are writing similar content. So just gear your content toward the local search. One other tip that I would give or a little bit of idea for strategy here is approaching it at a different angle. Uh-huh. Um, taking it head on if for local for local search can work. Uh-huh. Um, if everyone else in your area isn't quite as clued into the kind of power of SEO and writing great content. Um, but if they are, and there are a lot of other uh, roofing companies who have written articles covering all these topics, you might consider other articles on topics that are just closely related, you know, um, talk, you know, articles about self repair or, uh-huh. I ident- you know, identifying different concerns about a uh, roof or, you know, d- or different uh, styles or types of roofs, um, not necessarily specifically related to getting a roof replacement. Because if we think about the competition um, the most people are going to shoot for it head on. They want the articles yep. that are going to make them money. And so when we think of these money-focused articles, those are going to be the hardest to rank for most likely. Um, but if you uh, write an article about other topics that are just more informational or helpful, and then maybe put a little mention in there or something like that about another article that they might be interested in, kind of. so even if you don't end up ranking the really com- competitive article, you might be able to rank some less competitive articles, but then interlink to the, your more competitive article that may not be ranking yet. So there are definitely some good strategies to get around to that. I would also say that um, if you are wanting to uh, give give leads to other businesses or sell leads to other businesses, you might kind of feel that out and see if there are businesses around you that are even interested in that um, in buying leads from you and seeing what kind of information they would like. It sounds like as a roofer, you probably have a pretty good idea about that. Yeah. Um, anyway, it sounds like you're in a great position. Um, lead generation is awesome. It, there's definitely some foundations of work that need to be put in to have it uh, set up and organized in a way that's manageable. Uh, but yeah, there's definitely some great money. And especially for something that costs as much as roof replacement does, there could be some good money there. So absolutely, very, very exciting. Uh, it sounds like your wife had a great idea here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and I, I, I can't really under stress the value of what Nathan just said. Coming at it from an angle, um, a lot of times people will say, well, I did my search analysis and there's only like 10 articles to write. You know, how much does a roof cost? Um how long does it take to repair your, to replace your roof? I only could come up with like 10 questions. Okay, but that's because you're thinking as a roofer. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, these are the questions you want people to ask for you to sell them a roof. Um, what are the questions they have before they get to the point that they realize, I need someone else to replace my roof. Mm-hmm. Um, there have been plenty of DOI projects where I did some searches online and I was like, cool, I know everything I need to know and I go and do the work myself. There are other projects I start researching online and I say, nope, I'm going to take, I'm going to call it <laughs> professional because yeah. even if I could do this, there's a higher chance of messing up. There's a higher chance it's going to cost me just as much or more, or it's just going to take way too much of my time and it's not worth it. Right. I'm going to pay someone else to do this. Um, 
So keep that in mind. There's, I mean, if I were a painter, I would do the same thing. I would, you know, I would absolutely tell people exactly everything they need to know how to paint the exterior of their house. And I would just let them also know how dangerous it can be to be up on the second story um, on a ladder, you know, 30 feet in the air trying to paint. Um, I would let them know how I do it. And they, they're going to be like, oh, I don't know if I want to go rent a lift, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, Oh, it's going to take me forever if I use brushes and stuff. And uh, those uh, airless um, paint sprayers are like three grand or more. Uh, That's like starting out. (laughs) I'm (laughs) like, maybe I should just pay someone. Right. uh, Because it's just not worth it to do it myself. That's great. Like, give them all the information they need to do it themselves and let them decide that they don't want to do it themselves. And then you were the helpful one not the salesman. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's fantastic. I would also just look at the competition and uh, check out the SERP for things like how much does a roofer cost in Boise, Idaho? That's an example. Or who is the best roofer in Boise, Idaho? I know my husband is a chiropractor. I, we've talked about this before, but he ranked really well for those because surprisingly there just wasn't a whole lot out there on it. Who's the best chiropractor right. in Boise, Idaho? Well, I am. <laughs> Let <actually>. me tell <laughs> you. <laughs> um, so yeah, I would just kind of keep your mind open and expand on um, the different terms that you can write on. Okay, well, that is what we have for today. We really appreciate you listening and have a wonderful rest of your day. Project 24 is a product of Income School LLC. Results mentioned are not typical. The trademark Project 24 refers to the goal of some people to create a successful business in 24 months, but it's not a promise or guarantee of that success. Many online businesses fail because, like any business, it requires hard work, skill, and dedication. Before making business decisions, consult financial and legal professionals licensed in your jurisdiction. So in short, the only person who can make your business successful is you. We are simply here to provide information to help you along the way.